we're going to carry on today with our series, Thrive, that we started last week. And Pastor Darling did an amazing job of starting this series. I believe all of you here want to thrive in your Christian walk. Not so. And some of you aren't sure. But hopefully, by the end of today, you're pretty sure you want to thrive. In fact, I don't know any person who doesn't want to thrive. And some of us have been beaten down and broken so much that we, we're not thriving as much, but there is still that fire inside of us, even if it's just a little spark, that is still desiring to do everything possible to thrive in life. Now, I don't know where you're at today, but I'm trusting God that He's going to do a miracle to break the things and make the things that allow us to thrive. And so, last week, Pastor Darling, this, my beautiful darling wife, I'm the only one allowed to call her darling, okay? So, it's Pastor Darling to all of you. But she started talking about the fact that in life we're going to have difficult circumstances. And about three people raised their hands that you've had difficult circumstances in life. And I honor those, those three. Is anyone else who's had some difficult circumstances? Right. Oh, we got a few more today. See those hands. Life, I think when we decide we're going to thrive and we set off to thrive in the Christian walk, it doesn't take long before you realize it's not as easy as you'd hoped. So God gives us tools, and we're going to trust for some of those today. Amen? You'll see that there's some baggage up front here today. If anyone would like it, anyone going away on holiday, some of you didn't see it because you see it's down below. We need to build it bigger. This is a case study. We're going to do a case study today. So, <laughs> you know... Many of us are carrying baggage, and it doesn't allow us to thrive because we weigh down. And today, I'm going to carry on and talk about some of that baggage that we carry. And I believe, in fact, one of the biggest things that hinders Christians in their life is offense. One of the greatest tools of the enemy, I believe, is to get offense in the hearts of God's people. And so... I'm going to pray that God's going to do a miracle today. Would you, would you pray with me? Because you need the miracle as well. So I'm going to ask you to stand again. I know you did a lot of that today. It gets the blood flowing. It, it makes you realize that you're about to receive something amazing when you stand. Father, we accept your anointing right now. Holy Spirit, your presence is here. And I declare the Lordship of Jesus over this place and every life here. In the name of Jesus, we command every lying spirit, every deceiving spirit, every assignment of Satan. You are cut off and we command you to go to the feet of Jesus. You may not operate here in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we release you over this congregation. We release you in our lives to speak to us. Bring light, bring truth, bring revelation. Bring the power, the grace that we need to see what we need to see, to remove blinds from our eyes and to be set free. And all God's people said, Amen. I don't know if you know what Amen means. Some people go to church and they say Amen all the time. What does that mean? What about the women? You know, um, Amen simply means we agree. Let it be so. Okay, so in church, we agree is too long, so we say Amen. But uh, Amen. So, so today, talking about getting over offense. Now, when I talk about getting over offense, when I, when I mention that topic, many different pictures come to mind. I don't know what comes to mind for you. But 
for some people, this may be what you were looking forward to this week. And I look for South Africa. This is a very important topic: how to get over a fence. But I, I'm not going to be sharing necessarily today on that particular aspect. I, I know it's important. It's something a lot of you may have come to hear about. Just if you heard the topic, maybe. And I think maybe maybe we'll do a special session on this at some other stage. But today, I I am going to be talking about the other aspects of offenses. So to avoid confusion, I'm going to give today's topic a very simple, easy-to-remember title that everyone can take home with them, which I would say is Overcoming the Obsidious Oppressive Onslaught and Ordeal of Offenses Overwhelming Our Outlook and Opposing Our Optimism. Omen. Not omen. It's not a bad omen. It's actually. So just a simple, easy to remember title. For those who want to make it complicated, you can call it overcoming offense. I don't mind. But Now, I think that some of you here know what offense is all about. Every one of us, just the fact that you've lived in this life means you've had many opportunities to get offended. Would you agree? And, and you know about those people who've been offended. You're sitting there going, man, I wish Mary was here. She needs to hear this message. So the enemy deceives us and blinds us into the offenses we carry. And also, you know, probably everyone here in this hall has been offended, right? The thing we don't realize is probably everyone in this hall has offended someone else. So you all come remembering, those, I have been offended. I have been offended. We, we often don't sit there going, oh, I've offended so many people. But I'm going to trust God to open us to both this morning, right? And it's not a small issue. In fact, it, offense was actually the first major sin that took place in the Bible after Adam and Eve fell. And we see the story where Cain killed Abel. And Abel, I didn't know they could make Cain in those days, but he just had too much of it. And too much Cain can kill you. I want to let you know that. So Abel, he, he overdid Cain, and actually, no, wait, wait, that's not how it happened. Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain looked after the ground and toiled the soil. And God has spoken to them about the fact that they should bring offerings to him as an act of worship. And God spoke how they should bring those offerings. And so Abel brought the best of his flock to God. He did it exactly as God had said, in obedience. Cain, the Bible explains to us later, he didn't do it in obedience. He didn't do it in faith. And so God didn't accept his offering. And it tells us, in fact, it says right here in Genesis 4, you don't have to look there. I will summarize. And believe me, it does say this. So Cain was very angry, upset, offended, and his face fell. You've seen people get offended so that their face falls. I have to look up the... Hebrew word for fell, but it sounds painful. And God looks at him and he says, Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? And this is what God says. He says, Cain, listen, if you do well, don't you know that you'll be accepted? But if you don't listen to what he says, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to destroy you, but you must rule over it. What do you think would have happened if Cain had listened to God that day? Can you get the picture? He's offended. He's now angry. And God says to him, this is like a trap of sin. 
It's a huge trap. And where is it? It's crouching at your door. Get the picture. It's like crouching at your door. If you step out of that door without choosing to rule over it, it will have you. It's desirous to have you, destroy you. Wow. And well, we all know that Cain did not rule over it. And he ended up killing his brother. He was able to do that. In fact, since that time, that mindset has infected all of mankind. That mindset that when I'm offended, I get mad at God. I get mad at people. And I can do what I like because I'm the one that got wounded. And I'm justified. Now, we get so deceived into thinking it's okay because it's kind of socially acceptable. Have you been on Facebook lately? I saw one post on Facebook. It's like, so you were offended by something on Facebook? Maybe Facebook's the wrong place for you to be. But, you know, it has become acceptable for people to just let rip on all of their offensive things. And so we can become deceived into thinking it's okay. And some of us were justifiably offended. Some of us just thought we were justifiably offended. But I want us to see today the power and destructive operation of offense. So, I mean, look, there's been countless sermons, books written on this subject. I can recommend a whole lot. It's impossible to go into all of them in the six hours that we have left. So I am just going to highlight three how-to habits uh, today that we can touch on. I want us to see how destructive it is. I want us to see how it operates, and I want to touch on then how to walk free, which I think is the important part, right? And if you take a picture of that, please use a nice blue filter. Can some of you get the yellow out, put it on Facebook with a blue? Maybe I'll put it on. It was really a nice color, that particular one. So let's dive in. I'm going to start with the first one. And like I say, people get deceived into not understanding how destructive offense is in your life. So can I expound for a little while for us to just kind of catch what this particular sin does and what this particular way of thinking does in our lives to destroy us? Jesus, he's sitting there with his disciples in the book of Matthew. He didn't know he was sitting in the book of Matthew. Probably knew he would have been in the book of Matthew. But in Matthew 24, you don't have to go there. He says this, in the last days, the times that we live in, he says, then many, not few, many will be offended. Now, he's sitting talking about not just the world out there, but his people. He says, many will be offended, and my people will betray one another. So when you get offended, you end up betraying others. Betray literally means that you were on their side and you turn your back on them. You see, you can't betray necessarily someone whose side you weren't on. Will betray one another, bring division, and then they will hate one another. The moment you take offense, you open the door to the enemy to bring betrayal and hatred into your life. And then he says this, and because this lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I believe there's some of you sitting in this hall today, your love has grown cold because of offense. Because you've allowed that trap to grab you. And this has been going on in the church throughout the ages. What is the foundation of the kingdom of heaven? Well, it makes it quite clear throughout the word. The foundation of everything God does and who he is, is love. Would you agree? And so if offense takes away love, then offense is the enemy of the kingdom. 
This isn't just a side issue. Like, today we're going to talk about how to trim your eyebrows in a Christian manner so as not cause people to stumble. This is probably one of the greatest topics and issues that we have to get right if we're going to live right in the kingdom and be the kind of church God wants us to be. Would you agree with that? So, the Bible says, tells us in Proverbs, and Proverbs is a great book on this, it says a whole lot of, well, actually Jesus in Matthew, I've uh, already mentioned what Jesus said in Matthew. But Proverbs tells us this in 18:19. An offended friend, not an offended enemy, an offended friend is hard to win back than a fortified city. An offended friend is, I know if you say that fast, it just gets confusing. But an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. In fact, there's a great book, The Bait of Satan by John Bevere, and I've been reading it the last week, but, you know, he says something. He says, unconditional love and becoming close to a friend opens you up for greater offense. The more open, more vulnerable you become, the easier it is for people to offend you. And so, if I choose to walk in unconditional vulnerable love, I'm also choosing to make myself open to the possibility of being offended. That means if you choose to walk in unconditional love, you also have to make a choice up front, unlike Cain, to rule over whatever offense might come. Because he doesn't say an enemy, he says a friend. And he says that arguments will separate friends like a gate locked with bars. That is pretty, that's a pretty intense picture, would you agree? And offense makes us build walls in our hearts between ourselves and others. It makes us like a fortified city, and we build those locked bars, we think, to protect ourselves. We, I'm not going to let them hurt me again. So, bam, all of us here have walls in our hearts today. All of you here have put up bars because you've been hurt, you've been wounded. There have been areas, some of you more than others. And you don't want that to happen again, so we build up walls. The problem is that when you take those walls and look inside, you the prisoner. Not the person who offended you. You've locked yourself in, and I don't think that that is hurting the other person. The other person is probably wonderfully going on with their life. Just saying. Now, the thing I love about this word, offense, is the way the Greek describes it. How many of you would like to know the Greek word for offense? Good. Well, then come back next week. I. Actually, no, I'm going to go into it today. I'll do it today. I see those faces of disappointment. Disappointment leads to offense. I don't want to offend anyone. The word offense in the Greek is the word skandalon. And it literally comes from the root that means to snap shut on something. Isn't that a great, I mean, snap shut. And it's the word that was used when they would build animal traps or traps for people. And it was the word used for the trigger of that trap where they would put the bait. And so if you picture, I mean, this guy's standing on the scandal on right now. He doesn't know it. He's deceptively unaware. He's looking at the beautiful view. Can you see? He doesn't know what, he, what he's on, right? Most of us, when we are being offended and we let it get into our heart, we're completely deceived about the fact that you've actually just stood onto a trap. We don't think that Allowing our emotions to embrace the reality of that circumstance is actually a trap. I'm justified. And we don't want to forgive the person because if I forgive them, they're going to get away with it. 
we're going to get into this mechanism of how it goes, but it's such a beautiful word, isn't it? And, and it talks about the fact that the scandalon is the piece that used to be a stick that they would put bait on and would hold the two sides of the trap open. Now, the two sides would be on a spring. So when someone stood on and took that bait, they'd trigger it, and the two sides would snap shut. And I think you can see that's going to be a pretty painful exercise. So he's standing there. I mean, just picture God saying to Cain, Scandalon is standing, crouching at your door. Its desire is to have you. You must rule over it. Get the picture? And so many take Satan's trap. And let me tell you, the bait is easy to take. You're going to be faced with bait not once in a lifetime, once or twice, every hour maybe. depends where you work. But at least every day you're going to have bait. And let me say this. Being tempted by bait is not the same as being trapped. Some people say, oh man, I feel badly with that. I'm a bad person. God, I can't let go. Well, you have to process it. Processing the pain. Working through it. Having the feelings. That does not mean you've been trapped. But taking the offense and letting it brood in your heart to the point where you become angry against the person and you let that take root, you start to say, I have the right to be offended. That's when you get trapped. The two sides of that trap are very interesting. 2 Timothy 2 tells us this. It's very, very fast. It talks about how the enemy traps us. Listen to this. I'm not looking up scriptures today because I want to get through this in the six hours that we have to us. But in 2 Timothy, Paul says this. So guys, listen. I want you to stay away from all types of foolish arguments because they just generate strife and offense. Stay away from it. The Lord's servant must not quarrel. So what should the Lord's servant be? He should be gentle. He should be patient. And in gentleness, he should correct those who oppose him so that perhaps the Lord might give them grace to do the following. To recover themselves out of the devil's snare, having been taken captive by the devil to do his will. Say wow. Say it backward. I mean, wow. I mean, the picture is so clear here. I mean, all of Scripture, I'm not going to read every Scripture on this, but are you getting the picture about this is the snare of the devil that he gets us to get into? James says, wherever there's jealousy, selfish ambition, or strife or offense, there is confusion and every evil deed. I'm convinced that offense that brings unforgiveness and bitterness is the greatest trap of the enemy. It's the greatest open door we give to him to operate in our lives as Christians. So, when we look at the two sides of this trap, once I get trapped in the trap, there are two very powerful enemies that grab a hold of me. The one grabs me right above the knees and penetrates deep, and the other one gets me right in the butt. Depending on how tall you are. But when that trap Shuts closed. Actually, I don't want to picture that too much. Some of you are like, oh, that's painful. But listen, friends, I think you've heard many messages on unforgiveness. Being offended doesn't necessarily mean that I'm unforgiving right then and there. But taking the bait, brooding on it, you're going to eventually become unable to forgive because your anger and the justification on what they did to you, and you don't want them to get away with it. And so the enemy starts subtly. The enemy doesn't slap you in your face and say, go murder so-and-so. 
he deceives us subtly and inch by inch compromises us inch. That's how he does it. He takes us bit by bit. And I'm going to, you know, I could say a lot on unforgiveness, but let me tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? Or like stories? In, in the book of Matthew, I refer to Matthew a lot. He was a good writer. But we, we see Jesus telling this parable. Peter comes to Jesus and by the Lord talked about, you know, forgive your brother up to three times. It was like, really? And then you can kill him. And so Peter comes to Jesus and he's in front of everyone. He's saying, Jesus, I've got the revelation. How many times should I forgive my brother? Like, I'm prepared to forgive him up to seven times. Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, not seven times. Seventy times seven. And Jesus wasn't saying, now Peter gets out his coat, 70 times 7. Okay, I can do that. After that, I can kill him. Jesus wasn't saying 70 times 7, take out your maths. Jesus' maths is one cross plus three nails equals four given. That's Jesus' maths. Anyway, hey, that just came. Now, says the kingdom of heaven. It's like a king who calls his servants. He wants to settle accounts with them. And one of his servants owes him, listen to this, 10,000 talents. That, we all go, hmm. How much was a talent? Any of you know how much a talent was? It was the equivalent of an average person's 20-year salary. So how much will you earn in 20 years? Multiply that by 10,000. That's what this guy owes the king. And say, wow, again. The, the South African amen is sure. sure. Everyone say sure. And all God's people said sure. I can't pay. How many of you would be able to pay? So the king says, I'm going to take you, your children, your wife, sell them all your property until you can pay me back, throws him in prison. But he says, oh God, have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. And the king forgives him. He says, all right. The king has pity on him. And he releases him and says, you don't owe me anything. Well, that is huge. This guy goes out. He's so chuffed. He grabs one of his servants who owes him 100 denarii. Now, a denarii is one day's wage. And he grabs the servant. says, he chokes that servant. He grabs him. And he says, pay me back what you owe me. Throws him to the ground. And the, that guy, please have pity, says the exact same thing he said to the king. And he says, no, you will pay me everything you owe me. He takes his children. He throws them in prison. And he says, you will suffer and be punished until you can pay me back. Now, the other servants who are watching this, they're a little, little peeved off, wouldn't you be? I mean, if this goes on in your workplace, when are you going to run to the boss and say, so they go to the king and they say, I don't know if you know this, but the guy you just forgave everything, he went and did this. So the king calls him back, and this is what the king says to him. You want to know what he says? The king summons him and says, you wicked servant, I forgave you that huge debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay back all his debts. Then Jesus says this, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Sure. See, Jesus says if we don't forgive one another, our heavenly Father can't forgive us. One of the reasons we don't forgive is we forget what a huge debt we've been forgiven. We remind ourselves of that all the time. And then we say, well, did I offend Jesus more than that person offended me? And then bitterness. You ever found bitter people? 
the choices you make in life will either make you bitter or better. Bitterness, not nice people to be around. There's a lot of scripture on this. Proverbs says a whole lot, but I'm going to just quickly look at Hebrews 12 and what it says on bitterness. Look out for each one of each. each, each, each. Oh, sorry, none of you speak Klingon. Hebrews 12. Look after each other so that none of you falls and fails to receive the grace of God and wash out that no poisonous root of bitterness. It's not just a thing, it's a poisonous root. That bitterness grows up to trouble you, it will corrupt many. Yo. Hey, yo is also, everyone said yo. I mean, friends, listen, the Bible says in Proverbs that bitterness is bad for your health. That guy's 25 years old. I mentioned John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan. I recommend you get that. I'm just going to take one quote from him where he says, Bitterness is a root. Now, if roots are nursed, watered, protected, fed, and given attention, they increase in depth and strength. The strength of the offense will continue to grow. That's why we exhorted to not let the sun go down on our wrath in Ephesians 4. In fact, listen, write this down. Ephesians 4 is the greatest chapter you can read on this whole thing. If you want to work through this stuff and get some good input, read Ephesians 4. I may not get the time to get too much out of that today. Instead of the fruit of righteousness being produced, we will see a harvest of anger, resentment, jealousy, hatred, strife, and discord, which Jesus called evil fruits. Now, you've seen bitter people. I want to explain to you how this operates in your life and how it takes hold. And we must understand the mechanism if we're going to get set free. We must see how the enemy gets it into our lives. And so some of you have seen this. We teach on this at our Victory Weekend, our Victory Training. So come to our next Victory Training next month. We go into a lot more detail on this, and we spend a lot more time helping people to get free. So I really recommend you to come to that. But guess how it happens. It starts with an experience. And how many of you have had an experience? Oh, we've got to pray for some here. Man, experiences are great. But from the time you are able to think in your mother's womb, you start to have experiences. Now, when you have negative experiences, those experiences start to develop in you a belief system. Every experience you have develops the way you think. And the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. It talks about the thoughts is where the warfare is. And so it tells us, take captive every thought and bring it under the obedience of Christ. It's the way we think that is the most essential part of a Christian life. Paul talks about the fact you want to be transformed, you've got to renew your mind. So we are transformed by the removal of our mind, the renewal of our minds. So it's all in the mind. Now, you've all had experiences. What kind of experiences? Let me just, hey, here's, here's a list, and a non-conclusive list. Disappointment. Disappointment, actually, more than harsh words, etc., I find in inner healing is one of the greatest causes of affliction towards people, towards God. John Bevere talks about the fact that we have higher expectations of people we're close to. And therefore, the disappointment gap is higher. And whenever people disappoint us, it's easy to get offended. How many of you have felt like God's disappointed you? I'm not going to raise my hand, but thank you for those who do. I have. Because my expectation is here, and God doesn't do it because His ways are higher than mine, and He knows what's really good for me. And so, some of us here are offended at God. 
and I love to walk. God has grown cold. Pain and suffering. I, in fact, I shared a message. If you want to hear, uh, you know, why suffering is part of our You Asked For It series called Why Suffering. Get that podcast. But I mean, there's harsh words, rejection, abuse. Even truth can offend you. Rejection, being overlooked, not being included, being forgotten, being misunderstood, not getting your way, having to wait in a queue. I mean, it gets really petty. Just people who aren't like you will offend you just by being themselves. People interrupt you when you're talking. Preachers who preach longer than you think they should. But you know, even though you have multiple opportunities to be offended every day, it's not the experience, it's not the circumstance that creates the offense. Never. It is the choice you make. It is how you choose to deal with every negative situation that comes your way. You can write this down if you're taking notes, but your decisions determine your destiny. Not your experiences. Did Jesus have opportunity to be offended? You betcha. Carol shared last week about David. Pretty rough life. He had a few opportunities to be offended. Would you agree? How many of you have heard of Corrie ten Boom? Corrie ten Boom was uh, thrown into the concentration camps during World War II and went through the most horrific things. And all of her friends either died or came out so bitter and angry, resentful and vengeful. God was with her and she just prayed every day. She pressed into God and she came out better because she chose to overlook the offenses. And she goes all over the world talking about the pain and how God helped her to get over that pain. When you see what was done to her, it's just mind-blowing. It makes everything you've been through maybe look rather small and tame. But Joseph, read the story of Joseph. And Joseph ends up saying, what you intended for evil, God turned for good. You see, the choices Joseph made made him get better, not better. So the choices you make become the lenses through which you see life and if I choose to think these people are bad, I'm justified, they're evil, I allow anger, I allow hurt, I allow pain, then what happens is that I develop a belief system that becomes a filter through which I see everything. Friends, listen, you cannot compartmentalize one bad experience with one bad person. You can't say, I'm just going to be offended with Mike. Everyone else I'm okay with. I, Mike. And I can use Mike because he knows I like him. Support different soccer teams. We offend each other all the time. But you see, I can't just isolate my offense. The moment I take offense, it impacts my heart. It brings anger. It brings hurt, resentment. It opens the door for the enemy, and it will impact every relationship that I have. I become more sensitive to offense from anyone. When they try to trigger me, bam, it is so much easier. And so the insecurities in our soul allow those experiences to wound us. They cause offense. We choose not to forgive because we don't want to let the person get away with it. And then once it's taken root in our heart and we've stepped into the trap, we've taken the bait, it becomes the attitude by which we see all of life. When I have those attitudes, the enemy has me. I have the attitudes of the enemy. When you take bait, picture the bait that's been sitting on that trap for a whole long time. Do you think that meat is going to stay nice and fresh and up there in the sun on the trap? No, that bait is going to be full of flies, right? Jesus referred to Satan as the Lord of the flies, Beelzebub. When you take his bait, you get his demons. Now, demons are referred to as flies. You don't get rid of flies by swatting them. 
You get rid of flies by getting rid of what's attracting them. You get rid of the stinking flesh of that bait that you took. You give it to Jesus and the flies will just go. Amen. Friends, you've got to learn how to walk it out, not just cast it out. Too many people, Pastor, cast it out. I'll be okay. No, no. If you don't learn to walk it out, casting it out ain't going to help you. Jesus said, I cast a demon out. It wanders around, can't find another home, comes back, sees that the room's been swept clean, but the room is still there. You didn't get rid of that room. So he brings all his buddies, and the case afterwards is worse than it was before. So don't cast demons out of a person who hasn't repented, who hasn't gotten rid of the bait. Just saying. And so we start to act out. And our actions, we start to react angrily. We start to be reactive, negative, critical, hateful, resentful, cynical, harsh, and unpleasant to be around so that those offended by others become the offenders of others. Most of you who know offensive people, they've been offended by them. But they took the bait, right? And these reactions, if I've made the wrong choices, and I didn't like Cain choose to rule over it, then eventually it's going to become a satanic stronghold. And most Christians come here. I see I've got a stronghold, cast it out. I say, no, I can't cast it out here. We've got to go right back to God. But if you make the right choices, you end up having more Christ-like character because you develop Christ-like attitudes, Christ-like actions, Christ-like habits. Amen. What did you say, bro? It was funny. Oh, it's good, even in yellow. Yellow. Nice having you. So, friends, here's how the scandal on works. Snapshot, remember, the scandal on that you've taken actually ends up becoming a trigger that makes you snap every time you touch. Thank you. Oi! Thank you, Mark. So, let's wrap up with walking free, which I think is kind of important. In Psalm 119, talking about making the right choices, it starts by making the right choice. It doesn't start by staying away from the thing. You can be offended when you walk out. I'm probably going to offend you today. But it says in Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have those who love and delight in your word, for nothing shall offend them. Sure. That wasn't a sneeze. That was a sure. God bless you. You delight in God's word and God's ways and make the right choices, biblical choices, nothing can offend you. Jesus, man, he had everything done to him that could cause offense. What is his response? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Most of the time we feel offended. They don't know what they do. They don't know what they created. They don't know what they're causing. And they so hurt and wounded themselves that that scandal has been triggered all the time and they've almost come to a place where they just can't help it. You can. You were here today. Amen. So I want to give you a quick tool that you can take home with you so that you can learn to cope. How many of you want to cope? Now, I was going to try and come up with an anagram of thrive, but it was too long. So I've come up with cope. Is that okay? And how to cope. I'm going to quickly give you four things, how to walk free from offense. And this is the thing I want you to take home with you today. The first one is you've got to learn how to cover it. Proverbs 10, verse 12, listen to this. Hatred stirs up strife and offense, but love covers a multitude of offenses. What, is, what covers offenses? Love. I can't just wool myself. It's like, oh God, give me more of your love. 
God, help me to love these people. Help me to say, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. Love covers a multitude of offenses. Proverbs 79, whoever covers an offense from another person seeks out love, but he who repeats the matter separates close friends. Wow. Peter says this, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. I want you to get the picture. You can look at that sin and say, okay, I'm not going to let it get to me. Or you can cover it, which means I don't even see it anymore. Love covers. Love chooses to not even let that sin be seen anymore because it's covered by love. When you come into God's presence, you are covered by His love so that He doesn't see your sin. He just sees Jesus on you and He says, come on in. That's what Jesus did on the cross. So here's Proverbs 19.11. Listen to this. A person who has wisdom will be patient. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. It is to your when do you want glory? You overlook the offenses that come your way. You're going to walk in glory. It's to your glory to overlook an offense. So let me say this. The most powerful form of forgiveness is not when someone wounds you and you work it. And after a few months, you get prayer and you say, I trust you, forgive me. True forgiveness is when you wake up in the morning and say, God, I choose to forgive everyone who hurts me. You make a preacher. Free forgiveness. So when someone offends you, you've already taken the love of God and chosen to cover that. It's like, oh, I knew that was coming. Praise God, I got an opportunity. I'm going to cover that. I'm going to overlook that, and I choose to forgive them before they even offend me. See, forgiveness or unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. But when you forgive, you open up your heart. You, you break down those walls. You Open those locked bars and you find out that you were the prisoner the, only, the whole time, you know? But forgiveness sets you free as well. And then, oh, everyone say, oh. Do you want to know what the oh is? Oh, open. In our inner healing practices, I can say this. The first thing that every person must do in order to receive healing is they have to open their heart. Because offense, woundedness, bitterness, hatred, anger, unforgiveness will make you close your heart. Once you've closed your heart, not even Jesus gets it. Let me say this. Both Jesus and Satan are limited by what they can do in your life by your choices. And the choice that you make every day is going to either give Jesus more authority in your life or the enemy more authority. It's a question of authority. Satan's authority has been taken away from him. You know that? The only authority he has in your life is if he can deceive you to give him authority. So when you walk in this, you've just given him authority. But when you make the right choices, you give Jesus authority. talks about our hearts as, you know, in, in Luke, Jesus, you don't have to look there, but Jesus quotes that. He says, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is on me to heal the brokenhearted. Brokenhearted, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is here to bring healing. And I pray at the end for healing. Proverbs 4 says, above all, or, <laughs> above all, see, I'm summarizing more. Above all else, guard your heart, everything flows from Everything. So we come like David and we say, okay, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. God can do that. Open your hearts today. He can give you a new heart. And so we want to cover the offense. Open our hearts so we can be healed. And then pray for those who offend you. It's not just I forgive them. Jesus goes a little step further. Matthew 5. But I say to you, you've heard it say, 
do not kill, do not murder. You all heard that. So they were thinking, I haven't murdered anyone, I'm doing okay. And Jesus says, but hang on, I'm going to take you a little, a little higher. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. One thing to forgive, it's another thing to say, God, I'm going to pray for them every day that you bless them. Now you're moving in the opposite story. And that brings us to Eve, that instead of being an offensive person, you become an edifying person. Romans 14, don't go Roman over there, I'm going to just say it quickly. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace, that we may edify one another. Ephesians is a great one, last one I'm going to read. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. That's a great one. But only what is helpful for edifying those around you. If you are not just focused on not offending, but you are saying, I am focused on edifying everyone I speak to. I am focused on saying things that build people up, that they feel better when they leave. Now you're walking in Christ's likeness. Most people think I'm doing okay because I'm just choosing not to get offended. That's the lowest bar. Walking in Christ's likeness is, when people are around me, they're going to feel better. I'm going to actually make him go away feeling less offended from other people. I'm going to make him get hope. So I want to pray in closing today that God does something in setting us free. And we don't have time today to go into a whole long session. I, I want to remind you to, in your connect group, communicate with others. Let others get into your life to help you work through this. Come to our victory training. But the most important thing that I want you to take home is uh, I'm going to cope every day. Wake up in the morning. Jesus, help me cope today. I'm going to cover every offense that comes near me today. I'm going to overlook it. And I open my heart. I'm not going to close it. Lord Jesus, you have your way in my heart today. Lord, I am going to pray for those who hurt me. And I'm going to choose to edify them and build them up with everything else. Why don't you just close your eyes and Holy Spirit, I thank you that your anointing is here. Bring your life. Would you say this with me today? Lord Jesus, you forgave those who offended you. I've offended you. Thank you that you forgave me. You don't hold anything against me. I come today and ask you to give me that grace. To walk free from offense. Holy Spirit, I open my heart. Show me what's in there. I want you to just sit there and wait on him. Holy Spirit's going to show you some things. He might show you some people. Some of you is right at the surface. Some of you is hidden. Holy Spirit, I release you now to show people areas of offense in their hearts. Areas where they haven't forgiven. Areas where they bitter, whether it's towards you or others. And I want you to just let those surface and just hold them there. Just look at them. Just recognize them. See those people, what they did, what they said. Some of you grew up under abuse. Just hold that before Jesus.
Now, just as you could picture me coming up and standing in front of you, I want you to picture Jesus coming up and standing in front of you right now. With his brightness, his light, his grace, his love. He's smiling over you, isn't he? I want you to hold all that right in front of him and say, Lord Jesus, I don't want to hold this anymore. I don't want this in my heart anymore. I give every one of these offenses to you. I give these people to you. I give these experiences to you. I give up the unforgiveness to you. I want you to just give it to him and let it go. Let him take it out of your soul. He can do that just in an instant. Lord Jesus, bring your light right now and just take that out of every soul. Remove it, destroy it, that it cannot operate in you. Some of you will see what he does. He just like, he just, bam, it just disintegrates in his presence. You say, Jesus, I forgive them. Forgive those who hurt me. And I pray for them now. They wounded me, but I ask you to bless them. I just see how that feels. Release a blessing for you. Whenever Jesus takes something out of your heart, He takes away the negative, demonic, satanic things, and He puts kingdom light back in its place. And Lord Jesus, would you now fill every part of these hearts that have held onto these things, where those gaps are, where those holes are now? I ask you to come and fill. He's going to put His hand just right there in your heart. He's going to release the love, the grace of the kingdom. For some of you, I feel like he's saying, I'm releasing the ability to trust again. Releasing the love of the Father to be able to love again like Jesus loves. Would you all just pray this with me as we close? Say, Holy Spirit, you're in me, you're on me. Help me to cope. Give me the grace to cover every offense that may come my way from today. Give me the ability to open my heart and keep it open that you can work in me. Remind me to pray for those who offend me. And teach me how to be someone who edifies. Let no unwholesome talk will come out of my mouth. But only what is useful to edify and build others up. Lord, I release right now that grace. Just receive it. Just receive it. In the spirit, things are like tangible objects that Jesus gives you. He's just clothing you right now with that ability. Some of you, you might have to work through this a little more. Some of you got deeper offenses, deeper wounds, deeper things. Don't let it sit there. Get someone in your life. Come to our victory training. We'll go, we take an entire day to just work through all this stuff. But friends, if you cope every day, your life will be changed forever. You know it, don't you? 
You can look back at me unless you still want to stay looking at Jesus. I don't mind. He's better looking. You know, I don't have to preach it. You know that if you cope every day, your life's going to be different. That's what Jesus does in us. The world needs to see Christians who live like that. Amen? Our ministry team is here to pray for you. Some of you might need some more prayer. Some of you here today, you just know, I need to get right with Jesus. I'm, I haven't even given Him my life. I want you to come up and I want you to speak to me afterwards. I want to pray for you. But don't leave today without knowing that you have received what you need to walk through. Amen? Give Him a hand for what He's done. He's amazing.